This is uh, a week where uh, national infrastructure has been very much in the news. You know, high-speed rail links or local transport connections. We, we might have different ideas as to which is more important, though really it's a bit like comparing green grapes and green olives. You know, they might be the same colour, roughly. They might be the same sort of shape, roughly the same size but they are different things. Today in our parable, the story Jesus throws out, hoping that the listener will catch it. There is a vineyard. So I'm hoping that the folk tending that vineyard might actually know what the grapes are. You know? But unfortunately, they do not offer up any fruit at all. No fruit is forthcoming. Now, the landowner must be wealthy because he invests in infrastructure. He invests heavily into the future. The description of the vineyard shows that all that might be needed, every possible thing, has been thought of. You know, he plants the vines, yes. But he also makes a wine press. It involves digging out two holes. One for the pressing, one slightly lower for the gathering of the juice. Each of them would have had to have been lined so that the juice doesn't soak away. But able to be collected, to be casked, to be bottled. He constructs a wall around it and also puts up a watchtower. This ensures that it's protected from animals that might want to eat the fruit. It's protected from animals that might just trample over it. It's protected from those that might come and read it too. Anyone that wants to steal the produce. The business is all there. He has invested. It's ready to run. And he rents it out before moving away. And he rents it out the... Um, the, the word in the Greek um, translates not just as a farmer, but as someone who, who is skilled in this. Skilled in this, somebody that knows what they're doing. So, if you've got all the infrastructure there and you've got somebody to run it that knows what they're doing, you've got to get a crop, you've got to get a return on that investment. And it was common of the time that the landlords would build, rent it out, and then often move away, usually moving to Jerusalem. And it is in Jerusalem that Jesus is telling this parable. So he's probably telling it to people that are really familiar with the concept, really familiar with this idea that somebody might build something, 
let it, and then get the return that is due them. And that they would send somebody to, to get the money at that point when the harvest comes to send the servant to get their reward. And it was also true at that time that this setup often brought dispute. This is probably not the only case of servants going to get the fruit and them not getting it. Disputes often led to violence. And so the whole of this first bit of the story, of the first servants going, would be very, very familiar. Now, it takes a number of years for vines to produce fruit, maybe about four or five for a good crop. There's no quick return. It is a long-term thing. You have to look to the future if you're making a vineyard. And we don't hear of any harvests occurring before the landlord moving away. But it is also known of that time that the law requires the landlord to assert their right of ownership. And they have to do it every three years, at least. Otherwise, the tenant can claim the property as theirs. It's a bit like how um, if you've got a path, footpath going across your garden or across your field, if you don't claim that as your private property, if you don't stop that every now and again, after 20 years, it, it can become a public path. There was a church I had in Northampton um, which had a, a path that connected two sides of a housing estate down the side. And I had to make sure that they had signs up that said there's no public right of way. And every now and again, they would just block it. You know, usually they did it for a short time on Christmas Day. You know, just to, nobody would be walking along it at that time anyway. But they did it just so that they said, look, this is the church property. This belongs to us. And it's true other places too. And I, if your neighbour claims a bit of your garden... You know, if there's a bit of a boundary wall dispute and that goes on seven years, well, if you hadn't got that land back, if you hadn't disputed it, it might become theirs. Well, within three years was the case for tenant farmers in the Holy Land. What we see in the passages. Um, the choice of the farmer to think of what he can gain for himself rather than to the one that put everything in place. And of course this is an allegory for the one that built the vineyard is the one who gave Israel a land with milk and honey. 
land of prosperity, a land of blessing. But do they bless him? Do they honor him with their lives? The first servant is sent. And the farmer, the priests of the vineyard, Israel, must produce the fruit. They must pay the Lord. And instead, one servant is beaten, another killed, the third stoned. More servants come and more suffer. We can take these to be the prophets whose preaching was routinely rejected in the centuries that were before. And in the coming of the Son, we might rightly recognize Jesus. But the fact that it is the Son changes nothing with the vineyard tenant. They do not offer fruit, but take him outside the wall and kill him, just as will happen in a few days' time to Christ who is telling this parable. He'll be taken out of Jerusalem to Calvary, out of the city, so that it is not tainted with his blood, not tainted with a religious impurity, just as the tenant farmer does not want bloodshed within the wall which would mark the site as unclean and uh, take away their profit. Now Jesus had previously been declared the Messiah by his friends. He'd spoken of his coming death and here the, the image in the story is clear, Jesus and the Son are one. Now this is maybe the first time the priests have heard it. And the, the self-identification won't sit easy on these listeners' ears. If they had no thoughts of Jesus' death a day or two earlier, the elders are now becoming clear of the path ahead. Because in their minds... It is blasphemy. Though, of course, it is actually truth. Now, truth sometimes is played with as in an untruthful way. We hear declarations from people. world leaders, politicians in this country, they say things that we go, well, I um, might have to take a pinch of salt with that. Truth in reality is truth. And if it's not truth, it's lies and falsehood. Tenants don't see the truth of the situation, that they have to pay the fruit. And the priests don't see the truth 
of the situation that they have to honour God. Commentators sometimes argued that the arrival of the son suggests to the vineyard's tenants that the landlord is already dead. That uh, if they were just to kill the son, that'll be the end of it. They've got a clear way ahead from there on. You know, nobody else has got to come along. That's them in charge. They'll be the new inheritors of the vineyard. I'm not persuaded of that. It would cause us to see in the allegory that the priests think that God is dead. And although they behave in that way, since they don't offer real fruit, we also see in their typical language and their belief in ritualistic practice that their mind still believes in God. But their heart is unaligned to the truth of the issue. To be believers, head and heart must both be focused on our Lord and his way. We cannot say one thing that we know to be truth and then not live out that truth. Not live out his way. That's adulterous. It's dishonoring of God. The priests are dishonoring. They're like those leaders who hundreds of years earlier failed to follow the law and rejected the prophets. They have rejected John the Baptist and now they reject Jesus. They think they honor God, but they go against his will. These people who are supposed to encourage others in their faith, these people who are supposed to be building the kingdom, choose to reject the way of Christ, the cornerstone, the one that everything will be built upon. They will throw him out and kill him, if not directly through the proxy actions of the Roman occupiers that they have aligned themselves with. The position of the tenants, the children of Israel, and the priests has to make us think of ourselves. As people of faith, people who gather in this place or online or by phone to worship God, who sing of putting their trust in God and of following his way, we have to consider whether we actually are truthful to that. Do we bring forth the lasting fruit that our Heavenly Father expects of us? Or do we withhold it? If we have withheld, we can still change. What we see in this parable is a landowner who keeps giving chances. The first servant are beaten and killed and stoned. But more servants are sent. There's another opportunity given for that payment. And when they die, he gives another opportunity. He doesn't 
gather a huge army to go and root them out. No, he sends his son. Someone with the same, uh, the same ideas as him when he established his vineyard. He offers the opportunity to correct things. And he offers that to us each day. Day by day. We have the opportunity either to do what is wrong, to turn from God, to not give him the worship, to not produce the fruit we should. There may be days or weeks or even years that we're like that. then he still gives us the opportunity to come back. To be people of God's vineyard who don't keep the fruit for ourselves but give it to him. To be right. To be transformed people seeking a transformed world fruitful to God. Seeking the growth of his kingdom. Now, we all have different fruit. We've got different blessings in our lives, different ways that we live, different talents and gifts. Maybe some of us say, well, I can't do this, I can't do that. But for each one of us, there are things that we can do as we bless others, as we seek to be the people that the vineyard is given to afresh. The new farmers. That's who we are. The vineyard was taken from the old and given to the new. And that's us. And we can be fruitful. And it doesn't matter whether our fruit is grapes or olives, whatever different gift we have. Whether our fruit is our prayerful life at home, quietly there by ourselves, or whether it's opening our home for others, whether it's in giving items to the food bank or giving time to a stranger on the street, or challenging unjust political policy by writing to an MP. Whatever the thing is that we can do to be fruitful, let us be fruitful people. And let us offer it all to the Lord. Amen.